Our scripture lesson this morning is from the fourth chapter of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Our text is verse 22, but I'll read verses 21 to 23. Would you please stand for the reading of the word of God? Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May God add his rich blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word, and we pray that by the power of your spirit you would come and speak to us, that we would have our eyes open, that we might see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ high and lifted up, that our ears would be open, that we would hear his voice and know him and follow him that our hearts might be open to receive your word with gladness in our hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in our lives. So bless us, we pray, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. God works in strange places. The letter to the Philippians ends the way most letters of the day ended with final greetings. Today we might say, give my best to the family or give so-and-so my love. And it ends the way most of Paul's letters do. Uh, He says the brothers with him greet the brothers in Philippi. I actually want to come back to that one more time, but literally in the middle of that rather plain closing, there's one verse, one little statement that ought to grab our attention. Verse 22, all the saints greet you or salute you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now Paul is under house arrest in Rome and Among the greetings he sends uh, to the Philippians, he includes especially those of Caesar's household. Send their greetings. Uh, How did they get there? How did there come to be Christians in Caesar's household? People who confess Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord. In Caesar's own household. How did they get there? God works in strange places. Now let's get to it. First in this passage, or first today we see the chained apostle. Let's go back to the circumstances in which you read it. Turn back to Philippians 1 and look at verse 12. Paul says, Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to the advance of the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In verse 13, Paul speaks of his imprisonment 
for Christ. Or literally, he says, his chains are in Christ. So Paul writes Philippians in chains. And he writes in Rome. Notice in uh, Philippians 1.13, he mentions the imperial guard or the praetorian guard that is in Rome. Now this fits exactly what is described in the last passage of the book of Acts. Paul, as you remember, has made his appeal to Caesar and he's been taken to Rome awaiting his hearing. And Acts 28 and verse 16 describes the situation as Paul is waiting to appear before Caesar. It says, And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So Paul there rented an apartment in Rome, chained to a Roman guard. But you know, it's fascinating. Paul mentions being in chains, being in prison, a couple times in Philippians. But now he talks about being in Christ constantly far more than he mentions being in chains. And there's a message there that there is a higher reality. No matter where you are on this earth, you can be in Christ No matter your circumstances on this earth, you can be in Christ. In Ephesians 3, Paul called himself the prisoner of Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 4, he called himself the prisoner of the Lord. Paul was in chains, but even more than he was in chains, he was in Christ. So in chains... In Christ, he says he was in chains for Christ. Paul called himself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus because he knew there was a tie that bound him faster than the chain bound him to the Roman soldier and it was the Holy Spirit binding him to Jesus Christ in the heavenly places. So we see the chained apostle. Now secondly and finally, we see the unchained word of God. Philippians 4.22 All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now Paul has said at the beginning of Philippians that his chains had advanced the gospel. Now here we read in Philippians 4.22 at the end that members of Caesar's own guard of his household were coming to faith in Jesus Christ and confessing that Jesus is Lord through the imprisonment of the Apostle Paul, or better, through the imprisoned Apostle Paul. Now I mentioned that the last chapter of Acts describes the circumstances where Paul is uh, being guarded by the Roman soldier in Rome 
as he awaits his hearing before Caesar. Let me read you the last words of the book of Acts. It says, He, that's Paul, lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. Now turn one last time to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul is in prison as he writes his last letter, 2 Timothy. This is a different imprisonment, a later imprisonment. He was eventually uh, released after he had his appeal before Caesar as far as we know. Went on another missionary journey, but here he's come to his final imprisonment, 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, I suffer for the gospel as an evildoer to the point of being chained as a criminal, but the word of God is not chained. The message of the gospel that I preach, that Jesus Christ, the descendant of David according to the flesh, was raised from the dead, the great king, the Messiah, the son of David, by his life of perfect obedience and his death for sin, earned the resurrection from the dead. He advanced to glory for us. And as he goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 2 to say that if we have died for him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. The son of David, the king, has died and he has risen. That if we die with him, we shall rise with him. If we endure, we shall reign with him. If we receive him, we shall be raised from the dead as he was raised from the dead. Paul was changed, but the word he preached could not be chained. What Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for us, cannot be bound. Paul says, I endure everything 
even chains. But others may come to know the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So Paul says to the Philippians, my chains are advancing the gospel. Henry Garricky was a farm boy from Missouri, was raised in the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church, became a Missouri Synod Lutheran pastor and a chaplain in the United States Army. And in 1945, he was assigned to be the chaplain according to the Geneva Convention to minister to the high Nazis awaiting trial at Nuremberg. Henry Garricky, very conservative as the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church is the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church practices what is called closed communion. They don't let anybody come to the table. Now, in ARP, we give you, we tell you, the Lord invites all who believes and join the church, but we don't physically restrain you. Some crazy ARPs have tried it and paid a price for it. I always think of this: Jesus Himself passed the bread to Judas. Uh, so who am I to try to block somebody from coming? But uh, Missouri Synod Lutherans, they practice closed communion. Uh, he, uh, Garricky, he uh, shared the gospel with Herman Gehring. Herman Gehring said uh, something to the effect of, Jesus may be a savior to you, but to me, he is just a smart Jew. But somehow before he uh, was sentenced to be hanged, of course he took his life shortly before that, uh, Gehring uh, asked uh, Garricky to administer the Lord's Supper to him and he refused to do it. He said, you're not a Christian. Was Garricky ministered to these high-ranking Nazi officials? Several of them, including General Keiter, including Admiral Rader, Professed faith in Jesus Christ and asked forgiveness for their sins. And he admitted them to the table before their execution. One particular prisoner to whom he witnessed was Joachim von Ribbentrop, German foreign minister who, as Garricky told him of the gospel of Jesus Christ, got on his knees and asked God to forgive him for what he had done. And as von Ribbentrop came to the gallows to be hanged for his war crime, Crimes against humanity. His last words were, I place all my hope in the Lamb of God who shed his blood to take away my sins. 
and he turned to Chaplain Garricky and whispered in his ear, I'll see you again. God works in strange places. Now maybe you find yourself in a strange place. You remember that little girl? We know little about her, but she was a little girl who in her earliest years, her earliest memories, were being ripped from her home and her family by a marauding army. The Syrian army went down into Israel and abducted a little girl from her home. This little girl became a servant in the home of the great general of the Assyrian army. We would know nothing of this great general, of his great conquests and accomplishments and decorations. Because the scripture says, for all his great feats, but he was a leper who would give all that he had to be cured of his death sentence. And no one could help him but this little girl remembered at her home from which they'd taken her. There was a God. A God who could do all things. And we read that she said, Would my, my Lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And you remember the story that Naaman went to Elisha, and Elisha sent his servant out. Naaman was offended. He told him to go wash in the what he considered to be the filthy Jordan River seven times. And the seventh time he came up clean, his flesh like the flesh of a little child. You see, the great general had become like the little girl who knew the true God. But do you know what the great general of Syria said? He said, from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice 
to any God but the Lord. Long before he used the imprisonment of Paul in Rome, long before he used a farm boy from Missouri in Nuremberg, he used a little girl kidnapped to bring the most powerful general on earth, the great enemy of Israel, to a saving knowledge of the only true God. Yes, God works in strange places. Maybe you are in a strange place. But if you are in Christ, whatever place you find yourself, God has you there for a reason. For the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son. Holy Ghost.